Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity uh, to do this this morning. Uh, my name is Dan Sabel. I'm a missionary from Ukraine, and uh, Summit is my church family when I'm here in Canada, and uh, Blagodat Church in Chernivtsi, Ukraine, which uh, is my home family when I'm there. Blagodat means grace, grace church. And so it's, uh, it's such a privilege to be with you here this morning. Um, one of the things I wanted to uh, perhaps apologize to you for, um, I'm used to using a translator, so if I look to my right or my left and wait for someone to translate, <laughs> please bear with me. Um, I, uh, it's the first time since I've uh, been back that I've actually had the opportunity to share God's Word, but I'm excited, um, probably a little bit more excited now that I watch these little ones up here <laughs> enjoying uh, God's presence these last two weeks, and, um, and I'm so grateful uh, again for this opportunity there's not too many topics um, that I like to talk about and study myself personally, um, like the kingdom of God. Uh, several years ago, I was blessed with the opportunity to actually teach um, a discipleship school regarding the book of Matthew, and, and I titled it The Upside-Down Kingdom. One of the things that I realize about God's Word is that it constantly um, is adjusting my thought process, and it is constantly revamping what I see um, about, not only about who Jesus is, but about how we see one another. And as we've heard over the past couple of weeks um, from Dave and, and Colton and, and Grant, you know, this list, this beatitude sermon is not necessarily a to-do list from Jesus, but rather, I've done it list. Jesus has accomplished what we could never accomplish. And because of his grace and because of his work on the cross, he enables us by the power of the Holy Spirit and his word to live out these attitudes. Beatitudes just means we have attitudes that we're being. <laughs> I like to think of these things as something that is part of our DNA as new believers, as new Christians, that comes to us by the Holy Spirit and by His Word, and that the Holy Spirit works fervently inside of us to transform our lives for transcendence, to be different in a world that kind of looks sometimes very much the same. But before we do go off on this topic that I've been excited to, uh, to talk about this morning, just imagine with me for a minute um, that you're a leader of a little more than a million people. And you're on this quest to take these people through... Um, the desert, on a journey. And, and you're going to try to get them all to think what they should think, 
And you're going to try and get them to go to a specific place with the same heart and same passion. Now think about this for a minute. How hard is it, how hard is it for us to sometimes just get 50 people at a dinner party to have kind of a good time and agree on the same thing? Difficult process, right? Well, Moses was this guy. He's, he's leading this group of people from Egypt to promise. And I, can, I can't even begin to imagine what that would be like. But one thing I do know is it would take the quality of meekness. It would take a meek attitude in this man's heart to be able to face some of the challenges that he would face during that process. One could say that meekness is a quality that few of us possess. But if Jesus is here teaching his disciples that you must have meekness, then I think we need to understand some things about what that means. And so I'm blessed with that privilege this morning of unpacking some thoughts regarding the topic of meekness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence and power that is here with us this morning. God, not because we're good, but because Jesus is good and because he has purchased us with his own blood. He has allowed us this opportunity, Lord, to be in your presence. And not just to be in your presence, but to be your treasure, as we already heard the VBS students say so incredibly well. God, we're your treasure because Jesus made us so. So, Father, I pray that you would help us. Holy Spirit, I ask you would teach us. I ask that you would give us ears that are open, eyes that are open, and a heart that's receptive to the power of your transforming word and the work of your Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' good name. Amen. I just want to read um, again the uh, verse, uh, verse 3, actually, verse 3 through 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And as I pondered this, um, there's so many things that kind of flood my heart. But one of the things that appeared to me very quickly was that I need to understand this verse, and particularly, what does meekness actually mean? Well, dictionary.com says meekness is, describes meekness as docile, overly compliant, spiritless, yielding or tame. And Merriam-Webster defined it as mild, deficient in courage, submissive and weak. Well, I started scratching my head and I'm thinking like, that's nothing... Moses didn't look like that. It's important for us to note that these modern-day definitions of meekness hold an immensely different meaning from the spiritual connotation that is referenced in the Bible. 
The Greek meaning, on the other hand, is completely different, and it's impossible to translate the ancient Greek praus, meek, with just one English word. It has the idea of proper balance between anger and indifference, of a strong personality controlled, and of humility. D.A. Carson says, in general, the Greeks considered meekness a vice because they failed to distinguish it from servility. To, the, to be meek towards others implies freedom from malice and vengeful spirit. This word proutus is defined in the New Testament sense as gentleness of attitude and behavior in constant with, or in contrast with harshness in one's dealings and others. Gentleness, meekness, mildness. So it helps to kind of look and explore sometimes what meekness actually means. The Old Testament, the Hebrew word for meek is anah, which refers to someone who is afflicted or bearing a heavy burden. It is largely an explanation about the circumstance of someone rather than it being something that one surrenders to. The example of someone who lived this attitude, of course, was Moses, and we referred to him already. But it said that Moses was the man, the meekest man to live in his day. For instance, Moses never complained to God about um, some of the situations that he found himself in, including his own brother and sister being jealous regarding him and his relationship with God. Moses kept this humble heart, this meek disposition, and always tried to look at people and God through this lens called meekness or this attitude called meekness. F.F. Bruce says in reference to meekness that men who suffer wrong without bitterness or desire for revenge. Well, Moses was that guy. However, I want to look this morning and explore with you at how Jesus, I believe, wants meekness to be manifest in our lives today. So my first point is, how is meekness manifested in our lives? I believe meekness is an inward work for an outward purpose. Unlike the first two Beatitudes that really focus inwardly, Meekness is more an outward focus, but it focuses outwardly from a heart that's come to realize its own spiritual poverty, as we've heard, Clayton, or Colton talked about that, and also to mourn our sinful condition, and Grant did an incredible job talking about that last week. So just as the gospel is necessary to change our hearts to free us from the bondage of sin, the Spirit works fervently within us. Within that realization of our own spiritual poverty and mourning of our sin to produce a gospel fruit that is outwardly focused. In Galatians 5, to verse 24, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the fruit of the Spirit is part of that work of the Spirit to produce this outward disposition of meekness. The Scripture also encourages us to seek meekness, to put it on. Zephaniah 2, verse 3 says, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. And in Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. Some translations say put it on. Put on compassion, kindness, and humility, gentleness, and patience. So it's both the work of the Spirit, and it's, it's also the response on our heart and in our lives to the work of God's amazing grace. It's an understanding of, of what Jesus has done and just that, that place of worship, not obligation, because there's a difference. Sometimes when we're obliged to do something, it's not as true. It's not as real. When, in other terms, we do something from a place of worship and and thanksgiving and praise. And so meekness is this product of the Holy Spirit, but it's also a product of our willingness to follow Christ and to celebrate the work that he's accomplished for us. So what does meekness look like before God? And that we submit to his will, to his word. You know, there's many examples in the Bible that come to my mind, but one in particular I think of probably a lot more than, than others right now, is, is Daniel. Daniel exhibited the submission of his will to God to serve three different pagan kings, but was uncompromising in his devotion to the will and the word of God. He gave his life to God first, and then he served the people around him as God willed. Daniel 1.8 says it, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. God uses us sometimes in a situation like Daniel with, in, a, in the middle of a pagan country, a pagan kingdom, to represent Christ, to represent God in a way that's different than the norm. I believe Jesus is asking us to do the same. I believe Jesus is wanting to transform our hearts. He desires to fill us with his spirit. He desires us to be the meekest people in the room. He desires us to be the meekest people in the community. And remember, meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control. It's submission to the word of God. It's submission to the will of God. And it's being used by the power of God 
to bring transformation, not just to your life, but to the lives of others. He showed flexibility in his new job. I was just thinking about this the other day. Imagine, you know, Daniel being um, kind of the chief of the wizards. Anybody watch Harry Potter? Yeah, yeah. few of you will admit it. <laughs> but he, he used Daniel in this, in this foreign land to basically be his chief wizard. We like to think of Daniel as a prophet, which he was. But he, he appoints Daniel because Daniel's the guy that's hearing from God, and Daniel's the guy who's actually representing God in this context. And so promotion came to Daniel because God meant more to Daniel than anything else. I believe that with all my heart. So Daniel was here serving these different kings and many other examples. Jesus himself says in John 6, 19, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So meekness is this strength as Jesus exhibited in his life, but it's under the control of his heavenly Father. While on earth, Jesus walked out in power and demonstrated the power of God, but it was always at the will and the desire of God. Matthew 26, 39 also talks about Jesus on the cross. Or sorry, Jesus in the garden. And he says, Father, he says, if it's possible, remove this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. I like to think of meekness as the execution of God's will. I like to think of meekness as the reason we live as Christians. It's, it's what we do as Christians. Jesus himself also describes himself as meek. Last week, Grant pointed out the verse in Matthew eleven twenty nine: 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Wow. The same word that Jesus used, prowess, is the same word here in Matthew 5, 5. I'm meek and humble of heart. Paul also writes, 2 Corinthians 10, 1, By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. And Paul goes on to talk about how he's timid when he's with people, but he writes a little stronger letter when he's away. But Paul appeals to the Corinthian church. He says, by meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Again, Paul making reference to Jesus' disposition of gentleness. Paul is seeking to emulate that self, same non-abrasive kind of attitude and heart 
Lack of harshness, I think, is always a good thing. So I want to take a moment, too, to give you an example from your own community about meekness. Is it okay? I like to give honor where honor is due. Before I went to Ukraine, um, I was a pastor in this city for many years. And I would um, go to ministerial meetings, and I was always struck by the behavior of a man that's sitting in this room, Pastor Harry's his name. I was always amazed by how meek this man was. We would be in a room full of pastors, and um, we might be talking about a particular issue and think, you know, trying to get some wisdom, maybe on how we should approach something that's, that we need to deal with in the city or that we need to pray about in the city. And I remember Pastor Harry kind of just sitting back, just listening. And I'm thinking, man, you know, Harry could really share some wisdom with us here on this particular topic. But often he would refrain from saying anything at all, or at least until everyone else had spoken. And then he would sometimes drop the bomb. Harry is an example in our world of what it means to walk in meekness. To walk with this heart for fulfilling the will of God. Walking out the word of God. And also communicating through that spirit of meekness to others. I'm so grateful for these living examples that are all around us. Sometimes we need to stop and take a moment to realize they're actually there. So what does it mean for us to be meek towards one another? Well, we've already looked at Moses and how he treated his own brother and sister who were jealous of him and his leadership position. And God basically says to Moses, he said, um, many times in his life and ministry, he says, Moses, I'll just make a, a nation out of you. Because the people were mumbling and grumbling and always distracted, hearts wandering. Does it sound like anyone else? Moses, I'll make a, I'll make a nation out of you. But Moses' position was, no, Lord, you brought them out. They're a testimony to your name. I'm so thankful that Jesus came, that Jesus secured our salvation, that Jesus presently works in us, that the Holy Spirit presently works in us to change our hearts, is gracious and kind with us. You know, whenever I think about being meek, part of what inspires me, people like Harry for sure, but also 
The fact that God himself is so gracious and long-suffering and compassionate towards me and my distracted, wandering heart. Jesus himself also says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's saying that from the cross. While they basically cast lots or gamble for his garments. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. He also treats others good in the sense that he actually says, he says, do you not think I can call, I can't, can't call my father and he'll provide 12 legions of angels to rescue me if, if that's what his will is? Jesus made a choice to treat people the way that God wanted him to treat them, regardless of how he was being treated, regardless of what was good for him. And as we'll see, when we really look at this in more depth, and as you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and to show you what he needs to show you about it, you'll see that God has this for all of us. This is not something that's unique for Jesus or unique for Harry or unique for Moses or Daniel. This is how Jesus wants us to live. And he's made us able to do it because of the work that he's done. Lastly, it says, they will inherit the earth. So when the scripture says they will inherit the earth, what does that mean exactly? Well, if you think in terms of wills and inheritance, it might help a little bit. But every time I think of wills and inheritance, I actually think of bad situations. <laughs> I think of how wills and inheritance have gone wrong. But there's some truth that we need to see in this. I think it's natural for us as the people of God to believe that God will bless those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn their sin, those who are willing to walk the path of meekness. But how is that different from People kind of push and shove their way into a, an inheritance that maybe they don't rightfully deserve. It's a lot different. I think the word inherit helps us to understand that this means that God is passing on something to us that he has ordained for us. That he has given freely to us. And I think also when you think about wills and inheritance, often the people that's preparing their will is thinking, well, is he going to be able to handle this? Is she going to be able to handle this? Are they ready for this? Well, I'll tell you what. If you're going to handle the inheritance of the world you're going to have to be meek. 
If you're going to be able to deal with what that means and what that looks like, you're going to have to be a meek person. I believe that God is providing all that we need. That's literally what it means. And even some of our wants. <laughs> I was praying the other day, and I know it wasn't just my prayer, about the smoke situation in our city. I'm sure there's lots of people in this room that were praying about it too. But I just think, I was just thinking, Lord, like, I really, really need some blue sky and some fresh air. And I woke up the next morning to exactly that. I was just thinking, I was, well, I wasn't quite like these kids, but I felt like I was doing cartwheels inside anyways. God was saying, Dan, you know what? I, I love you. Here's a little bit of inheritance in my mind. Here's a bit of the inheritance that I've promised. The truth is, we can only be meek and willing to control our desire for our rights and privileges because we're confident that God is looking out for us. I believe that. The first two, poor in spirit, I have nothing. Mourning my sin, mourning my thought process, my ideals. God, help me to live understanding the riches of your grace, understanding the promises of your inheritance. The promise they shall inherit the earth proves that God will allow his meek ones to not end up with the short, of the, the short end of the stick. Spurgeon says it looks as if they would be pushed out of the world, but they shall not be, for they shall inherit the earth. The wolves devour the sheep, yet there are more sheep in the world than there are wolves. And the sheep continue to multiply, to feed in green pastures. I'm so grateful that Jesus made this possible for us. He allowed us this opportunity to walk out this attitude of meekness by the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much.